Welcome to the Shamanic Author Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Worm. Are you a coach, holistic, or spiritual entrepreneur struggling to write your first book? The Shamanic Author Podcast will help you release that resistance inside yourself so you can access that state of being that writing requires. See, society has it all wrong. From a young age, we're told that we have to have the house, the degree, the fancy car to be happy. But the truth is, we have to become that state of happiness, and then the material success follows. You're human beings, not human havings, right? So I'm so excited for this episode today. Let's explore energy, alternative health, first-time author challenges, and book publishing marketing strategies. If this sounds like you, I want you to head over to mountainmindtricks.com slash ultimate-guide for a free ultimate aspiring author guide. There's three steps in there that'll teach you exactly how to write a book that makes a big difference in your spiritual business, in your holistic or coaching practice. And if you want to know when the next episode is live, get updates and learn more about the shamanic writing process, follow me on Instagram at mountain underscore mind underscore tricks. That's mountain mind tricks with underscores. Follow the podcast and subscribe to the show to make sure you get the notifications when I release new episodes. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited for my guest today, Jennifer Robinson. She's a publisher of the Peaceful Living Wellness online magazine and a burnout prevention coach. And she has so much value, such an amazing story. And and Jennifer, could you could you introduce yourself and let us know? I mean, how did you get into blogging, into writing, into publishing, into coaching? Like all the things you're doing now, I'm sure there's a there's a major story behind this, isn't there? Yeah. You know, I think with any heart-centered entrepreneur, we have our own stories for why we have gone into the business we're in. And um, my journey started actually as an academic. I have a PhD. I was a professor. And I was also a young wife and mother. And I was struggling in every aspect of my life. And so, yeah, I was a prolific writer because that was part of my profession. I was a researcher, but I wasn't writing for my heart at that time. And so as I have reinvented myself as an entrepreneur, as a coach, as a blogger, it is actually so much more fulfilling. It brings so much more meaning into my life to be writing in that respect as opposed to writing what my peers thought should be the topics we should be writing on as academics. Oh, that's amazing. So that's so interesting to, uh, and I think I can resonate with this because I, in my last career as a firefighter, I would spend a lot of time writing up these technical science reports on the fire behavior and how the fire affected the trees and the vegetation, all this stuff. And so it was kind of boring and like, writing kind of sucked, right? Right. But as I started writing from my heart and writing books and and really expressing myself through the art of writing, because I truly believe it's an art sometimes. Um it's it's a totally different field, a totally different way of of looking at the written word, isn't it? Absolutely. It is such a beautiful way to express oneself. And for me, going from an academic classroom where I loved teaching. I loved that part of my job. I loved being able to share things I had learned with my students. 
but that wasn't really happening in the writing portion of my academic career. And of course, the lifestyle was also incredibly stressful. I was living in Southern California. I was commuting up to two hours each way to get to the university from where I lived. I was in Southern California traffic. <laughs> it, was, it was just hectic. I remember being on those huge freeways we have out there and um, white knuckling it, trying to get home on time to pick my kids up from daycare because you're charged money for every minute you're late after the daycare closes at five. And just my health was suffering. My, my physical health was suffering. My mental health was suffering. And I was an emotional wreck. And so when we went through the crash of 2008, and the world turned upside down for, well, for everybody. I mean, that was a worldwide re recession. Sorry, I almost said repression. It was repressive too, wasn't it? Recession. You know, it actually gave me perspective on things as well. And it gave me perspective to be able to say, I cannot continue to live my life like this. I have to use something, do something different. So we came to a point in the university where if you were not tenured, they put us all on a one-year layoff. But instead of going back after that one-year layoff, I decided to jump ship. And for my mental, emotional, and physical health, I decided I was going to be a yoga teacher. And that's how my journey in healing myself and in learning how to help others heal started. It always, for me, comes back to yoga, meditation, and mindfulness. Oh, I love that so much. And, and yoga is so powerful and, and the meditation and uh, mindfulness. I love this. And, and, and I'm curious on what, what does burnout feel like? Because I, I'm pretty sure I've burned out multiple times in my life. Uh, but I would love to hear more, a, a different perspective on it, because I think sometimes when we're burning out, like we don't really realize it until it's too late. Right. It's kind of like we're in it. And then it's just like, there's this crash, something, something happens where you get woken up. Right. And it's, it's kind of hard to see that, wait a minute, I'm actually burning out right now. Right. Absolutely. There is a technical definition of burnout and it, is very specific to the workplace. But I tend to not go along with that definition because it's just about the workplace. It's about having cynicism and apathy about your work. To me, that's only one part of burnout because people can burn out in all sorts of different areas of their lives. To me, burnout is a spectrum I often refer to it as a downhill spiral. And yeah, there are times when we are just going, 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 and we don't realize that we're burning out until we slam into a wall. In my experience with my clients, that is usually when people start having um, either physical health problems or they are starting to have things like panic attacks. So that's very different than just being cynical and apathetic and not wanting to go to work. If you are having a panic attack or your hair is falling out or you have hives all over your body, 
that is a much more serious condition and serious burnout like that can actually lead to such a debilitating state that people get to where they're not functioning. So we can be burned out on the, what I call the lighter end of the scale. Maybe something like, well, here's a softball. I've been the head chef of my family, <laughs> the, the chief cook, um, for 20 years. And I finally just looked at my husband and I said, I am so burned out on meal planning and grocery shopping and cooking every meal. I do not want to do it anymore. So that's a lighter version. But think of what that does to any parent who is working a double day. If you are working a double day and you're burning out on those things that are important to keep your family going, that can be very fairly serious, pardon me for tripping over my tongue, fairly serious for your family and you. It can also then trickle into your job in that if you're going through your day at your job and you're thinking, oh, well, now I have to go home and I have to cook dinner and do the dishes and make sure the kids are bathed and do laundry and pick up all the toys, it goes on and on. And those are the people I work with. Those are my clients. And we talk about different techniques to learn how to slow down and let go of some of that. And believe me, it can take a lot of time, but it is so worth it because I don't want any parent or I don't want anybody who is passionate about what they're doing in their lives to get burnt out on the things that they're not passionate about, such as dishes and laundry or perhaps household finances, things like that. So it can, burnout can take many different aspects in your life. And that's why I like to have a, a broader definition of it. Oh, I love that so much. And, and I think it's, yeah, like you're saying, I, you know, I'm not a parent, so I really, I can't even imagine what that's like because it, it really does seem like there's uh, there's the job, there's the nine to five, there's the business, whatever it is. And then there's the home life, which is basically another job. There's, like you said, all the chores, all everything for the kids and, and what's left of the day. There's not much. Right. And, and I can only imagine what that's like. And it's, it's probably, it's almost like burning the wick at both ends. I think a lot of people say that, that, that analogy, but, um, I guess what are some, like, how do people slow down? Like, how do they actually slow down? So I have developed a uh, five-step process. I call it breaking busy, <laughs> five simple steps. And I start people with looking at their values and what's important to them. And then we look at every hour of every day, both work days and non-work days. And we have to take a look at the things that are not in alignment with their values. In fact, I just went through this with one of my business coaching clients and you know, it's interesting because she's not a parent, but she filled her days with so much stuff for her. She's an entrepreneur. So she was filling her day. Her double day was not just running her, is not just running her yoga studio, but than doing hours and hours of social media. So I see this happening in 
all sorts of people, not just parents. Social media is playing a major role. Um, we've seen a decline in this, but in the past, I've also seen volunteerism playing a major role, especially for people who do not have children. So they fill their off time with volunteerism. That's a little bit of a tough one though, because volunteerism actually can really help your mental health and your emotional health. It's just when people do too much of it that we feel right, in our right. society, we need to be busy all the time. Busy equals productive to Americans. And I don't know if you've ever lived abroad, but I, I've lived in other countries and that is not how people in other countries necessarily exist. And I personally think that the ideology of busy, meaning productive, is, is killing Americans. Yeah, that's powerful. I, I, I can see that. I know that from being a firefighter for so long. And, and just Absolutely. the culture, like you're saying, is just, we got to get this done. We got to hurry up. We got to get, you know, this invoice out. We got to get the business going. Like everything is just, we got to get all this social media done. It's just like, it all has to happen right now as fast as possible because yes. we got to make money. Yes. Well, and you know, I think about, especially firefighters, in how you all have round the clock shifts. And I never quite understood how that was healthy for people because the firefighters I've known in, in my life, they go to the firehouse and they live there for four days and they can literally be awake for 24 hours or more. It, same thing with medical doctors that they're expected to work these, these inhumane and non-human hours. So I don't know. I mean, did you feel like your schedule was exhausting you? Yeah. And, and so, you know, I was a wildland firefighter, so it's totally different. And, and okay. it, yeah. what it's like is, is we would go out for two weeks at a time. So we're out in the mountains in the wilderness for two weeks working 16 hours a day, you know, you're sleeping on oh, the wow. ground, you're, you're eating MREs, you're hiking 10 miles a day. You know what I mean? The, the living conditions alone would break somebody. The working conditions are actually super athlete. Like there's, it's mind boggling how much work we would put in. And then, then you're away from your family. And so we would do two weeks on two days off and two weeks on for five months. And oh that's just, that's your life. And, and cause you don't get paid enough. So the only way to even pay your bills is to work. We were working, see 112 hours a week was our schedule. Oh my right? gosh. So it's, it's, it, it kind of makes the city stuff look pretty easy. I'm, I'm right. that's just my opinion. <laughs> you were definitely in the middle of brutal, just brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I think for me, the hardest part, like that part, I loved the suffering part. I'll be honest. Like that was great for me. I, I kind of, I liked that part. Like it was kind of this self punishment. Um, I guess it is, it is really interesting to go through all that and, and how much I learned from it. But there's also the, gosh, I think the, the bullying, the mental health stuff that comes all out of that. And this is, you know, this is part of my journey is, is the, the anxiety, the PTSD, the depression that comes out of an environment like that is, is astronomical. Wow. Unfortunately, like 
the the highest death rate is is by suicide for wildland firefighters. Oh, yeah, that's so tragic. I have not worked um, as a coach with any firefighters. I have worked with a number of police officers, female police officers, and the PTSD, the stress of that type of job. And these gals were boots on the ground working in some tough, tough neighborhoods. Um, yeah, they, their suicide rate is incredibly high. And unfortunately, there is still an ethic in that community that you have to tough it out. We don't, we don't cry in policing, right? I, it sounds like yeah. that was similar in firefighting. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Same, same exact mentality of, you know, you better just tough it out because it's just going to get, it's just harder. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. um, yeah, it's really, so I guess the, I would burn out by, you know, maybe I get, I would go back to work in like April and I'd be burned out by June and oh, I still no. had to go until November, you know what I mean? And so I'm very familiar, like I'm familiar with the physical burnout and like my last career. And when we tie this into, I guess, writing and entrepreneurship and coaching and, and having a practice of some sort, it's, it's really the same thing where I think a lot of entrepreneurs, and I think you'll attest to this, like, you know, sometimes we're not just working that nine to five, we're working like 16, 18 hours a day. Sometimes like people kind of go crazy with their work schedule, right? Oh, entrepreneurs are worse than lawyers when it comes to the number of hours they put in. And I've worked with both as my clients. Um, yeah, it is this, with lawyers, it's more, at least in my experience, it's more kind of an addiction to that productivity, that workaholism. With entrepreneurs, again, in my experience, it's born out of fear. It's born out of, if I'm not doing this um, constantly, if I am not putting in these hours, I'm going to fail. Um, or I'm not going to even be able to build my business. You particularly see this uh, with new entrepreneurs. And um, burnout in the first three years is, that is very, very common for entrepreneurs. You know, they say that it takes about three years to get a business to be profitable. I'm now hearing different things about on, in online businesses, it can take five to seven. Think about if you're living in that fear mentality for that long and you're putting in 16, 18 hour days for that long, what you're doing to your neurological system, what you're doing to your endocrine system, it, it is not a recipe for good health. And unfortunately, it is also something that across the board, in the US in particular, is divorced from the research in workplace psychology and physiology that has been done. So whether people are working in corporate America, whether they're working in a law firm, whether they're working as entrepreneurs, they are not aware of the research that is out there that says, you know what? The less you work, the more productive you are. When you work over an eight-hour day, or if you work without breaks, you become less and less and less productive. There have been studies 
uh, especially coming out of the medical field, because the burnout literature, the research literature has really focused on the medical field. And there have been studies that show that people who work more than an eight hour shift actually are less productive for every hour after that eight hours. So it turns out that they're kind of regressing. So they are so tired by their next eight hour shift that they are producing or they are that much less effective during their next shift. So you get into kind of a backward slide when it comes to efficiency and productivity. And if the higher ups would actually look at the research, they would be able to say, oh, well, you know what, actually, if we take better care of our employees, if we allow them to have breaks, if we allow them to work seven, eight hour days, um, they're actually going to be more efficient. They're going to be doing a better job. Their brains are going to be sharper. We're going to have less, less mistakes. But it seems to be that no matter how much research comes out, that is not something that is taking place in American corporate culture in particular, or I'm going to go ahead and say uh, our medical culture either. And of course, entrepreneurs pick that up. So many entrepreneurs come out of corporate America, and that's what they're used to. And they absolutely don't know what the research says. So when I show a group of entrepreneurs a study that says that the most productive and efficient entrepreneurs work about 17 minutes out of every hour, they look at me like I have three heads. Yeah. <laughs> I just right. cannot believe that that is true. That said, I try to encourage people to try it. In fact, I try to encourage people just cut back to 50 minutes an hour. Take a 10 minute break every hour. That can yeah. be hard for some people. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I think I, if I think about my schedule, I'm, I'm probably preparing for a couple hours in the morning of like meditation and journaling and breakfast and all those kinds of things. And then I'll work for a solid two or three hours. And then I take a two hour break and like for lunch, like I, I go work out, I go eat lunch, I kind of take a nap and then yep. I do some podcasting and I'm done for the day. Like I only really work for like three hours a day, I guess is the way I see it on like social media and, and writing and stuff like that and, and press releases and all that stuff. And it's like, that's enough. Oh my God. Three hours is like, I'm tired. I'm done. I'm toast yeah. after that, you know? So, and I learned my lesson because early on I was, I would say the first year I was like, I would get from, if I had like an eight hour shift in fire, I would come home and I would work another four hours, like every single day. I did that right. for a couple of years and I totally burned out. Right. Right. And it was the same for me as an academic, as you're on that treadmill of trying to publish or perish. And before I left the university, the two, I was there at the, my last university for eight years. Um, the two years prior to my leaving, my smallest class was 250 students. My largest class was 400 freshmen. There were quarters where, in 10 week quarters, by the way, where I had 700 students. It, and then I'd have to write and publish at the same time. And I had two little kids, um, one who had physical health uh, issues, challenges. He was in and out of the hospital for some kidney 
kidney issues. And then um, my second child has um, emotional health challenges and she needed just extraordinary extra attention. It just wasn't manageable. It was not manageable. And because I have been known to still go back into that old mentality, there have been times when I am working 12 hour days and then all of a sudden I crash and burn. <laughs> I'm like, how did I do that to myself, right? And so yeah. what I do then is I hand everything off to my staff and I'm really lucky to have a staff. Um, and I take a couple weeks off and I recharge. And sometimes I go down to the beach in Florida and I hang out and I go in the ocean and that's the only way I can come back and be the publisher of a magazine and be a coach and be a mom and be a wife and be a volunteer. Because if I don't do that either on a regular basis with smaller breaks, with not working, you know, 60, 70 hours a week, um, or I don't do that with taking a couple weeks off when I have had a period of time, you know what it's like being a writer, you're, you're under deadlines and sometimes you have to put in those hours. Um, if I don't take that time off after having to put in those hours, I'm not going to be able to do all the things in my life. And at this point, I'm not willing to let my business go because I'm burned out. I certainly am not allowed to let my children go <laughs> and I have teenagers. So there are times when I would gladly let them go <laughs> when they're being mouthy teenagers, I kid, cause they're really actually fun. Um, but yeah, we have to recharge. We have to, have to, have to recharge. And even better is if we can have a schedule that is not hurry, 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 worry, worry, worry. And we can also take time to recharge. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. And so, so I'm curious, how, how did you go from blogging to becoming a publisher of an online magazine? Like, can you tell us that journey? Yeah, that's actually kind of, um, it's kind of a silly story in a way. Um, yeah, so I was coaching and blogging and, and, you know, doing all the things we do to promote ourselves as coaches. And I had moved from San Diego, California to Charleston, South Carolina. When I was in San Diego, I was part of just this extraordinary all women's co-work space. And I just had this amazing community. Well, when I came to Charleston, there wasn't a co-work space. There still isn't uh, like that. And so I was in my home by myself all day long. And yeah, I was meeting with clients, but most of that is over Zoom. And um, I just was lonely. And so I thought to myself, okay, well, I wanna create community. So what am I gonna do? And I did two things. Um, I created the magazine, which is a community of bloggers, bloggers, podcasters that are all in the wellness field and so I brought together all of these like-minded people and I created community there. And now we are also creating um, groups within the magazine, special interest groups, if you will, for our readers 
that is going to launch hopefully in two weeks where we'll have a page on the website where people, our readers can come in and they can join Don McGee's um, nutrition group, or they can join Brittany Hiller's yoga and meditation group, or they can join my stress management, peaceful living community. So all of our contributors who have groups that they would like us to put on the website for them um, are welcome to do that. And then our readers who have these special interests can come in and join those groups. So that was about creating community, but that was still online community. The other thing I did at that same time, and this was in 2019, is I created a networking group, mastermind, um, business coaching entity in conjunction with my business coach, which was all in person here in Charleston. And that survived really well through 2019. But of course, with COVID, we have gone all online with that as well. Um, but now we're starting to open up a little bit more here in South Carolina. So we are going to start meeting in person again. Because for me as an extrovert, online community is wonderful, but it only does so much for me. I need to be in physical community with other people. And that's something I talk with my clients about a lot as well. We talk about their personalities and what works best for them. So for many people, an online community can be very fulfilling. But what we're finding, again, through research, is that for the most part, unless you're in a community that is very other-centered, very communicative, um, it can feel very lonely. We don't do that at Peaceful Living Wellness, but I'm sure, Thomas, that you've been in Facebook groups. I'm in Facebook groups where I feel like it's, I, I got into it because it was supposed to be a support group and I wanted to interact with other like-minded people. And it's really just people posting their own stuff and not interacting with each other. So again, the online communities can be limited. And that's why it's important for those of us who do need in-person contact with people to also find community on the ground in person. But again, with Peaceful Living Wellness, we have such a commitment to interaction and support for our communities. Even in our online communities, we are really striving to fulfill that need for others, that need for human connection and that mutual support. Oh, I love that. What a beautiful mission. And I think uh, for for me personally, I'm really feeling this the last, I would say, couple of months as we're coming out of this pandemic is like, gosh, the online space is so amazing. There's so much instant access to information and everybody and meetings and podcasts and blogs and eBooks. And it's just, it's so fulfilling in that way, like expanding my knowledge. But the human connection, I just feel like it's it's gone. Like we've lost that, in, and yeah. I know I'm not alone in that. And that's something. So so I love I love this idea of a thriving community in person, and and I think in and this has come up a couple of times. Is like 
I think everything is in question right now in our society, including like how do we even come together as a group anymore? We just don't, we forgot it's gone. Like what does that even look like, right? Yeah, yeah. My hope for that is that there will be good facilitators. There will be people who are knowledgeable about mindful communication because that's another thing we've lost with online, right? We've lost thoughtful, mindful communication. So many people forget that we're all humans behind these screens. And so they forget to have what I call, or to use rather, what I call the internal editor. It, you saw this with all of that controversy over what people were saying on Facebook and Twitter, um, not just politically, I mean, definitely politically, but just in general as well. And in fact, I personally have had to leave our neighborhood Facebook group because people are so foul on there. Um, the salaciousness, the misogyny, and even now racism, it's, people are not using their filters anymore. Um, and so what I'm hoping for is that the communication leaders are going to step up and say, hey, now, let's remember about the human factor. Let's remember that a screen does not protect someone else from being hurt by your words. That's my hope. And that's what of course, our value is at Peaceful Living Wellness. And hopefully the controversy over all of the politics in particular, but over race in our society as well, um, will lead us in the direction of being part of the solution now, using social media, using blogs, using podcasts, using blogs to be part of the solution and to connect with other humans rather than being part of the problem and disconnect and cause more divides. Yeah, I think that's so important for us to come together. Absolutely. I love this and and coming together as local communities. And I think local community is so powerful. And so I just, I love the magazine uh, and, and I love the idea. I love the values behind it. I love what's driving it. And, and for everybody listening, like you got to just go like check out the Peaceful Living Wellness magazine. There's so many amazing articles and, and contributors and podcasts and blogs on there. It's, it's, it's an amazing, amazing platform you've built. So thank you so much. And, and, and I want to go back just a little bit to, we talked about, you know, writing professionally compared to heart-centered writing. And I would love to hear more about you know, some of the blogs you've written over the years and, and what that journey is like for you as as a writer internally. Like, is there, sometimes there's a release while we're writing. Sometimes there's, we look back and it's like, oh my God, I can't believe I wrote that. That is so beautiful. Or there's, there's kind of this internal, I guess, work that we're doing as we're writing, isn't there? I definitely think so. And I think the genre of blogging is really allowing that. I sort of had to be trained to blog 
because when I first started blogging, I was just out of academia and my first couple of blogs read like academic papers. I even had full citations. I was so proud of myself, <laughs> but most people don't want to read that. So luckily I had a very good friend who sat down with me and she said, um, Jen, let's talk about what a blog is. <laughs> and that's a blog is what you're talking about, Thomas. A blog is writing from your heart. A blog is writing for connection. And so, you know, the blogosphere has everything under the sun from tech blogs where somebody who really likes tech and understands it goes on and writes about how to do things. Um, I am not a tech person and I am so grateful to the bloggers who get on there and explain to me how social media algorithms work, how SEO works, how to um, do things on the backside of my website. And that is, to me, I think coming from their hearts. Now, of course, I am a heart-centered blogger from the get-go, but I'm still giving people a lot of, I think, technical advice. It's just technical advice to uh, lower your anxiety technical advice on how to lead a life that is more purposeful, technical advice on how to break out of that cycle of busy. But it comes from my heart. It comes from my experience and how I had to do that. So the blogging journey, it's, it's so fulfilling as a blogger. And I think I can speak for those because I talked to a lot of people um, and I used to run a bloggers Facebook group. I think it is true for even for those who are not necessarily writing about feelings like I am. Um, so yeah, it has been, it has been really wonderful for me. And, you know, before our interview, you and I were talking about how long I've been blogging and I haven't even counted the number of blogs I have. I think, I have probably over a hundred blogs just on peaceful living wellness alone, but I have a lot of blogs that were on um, my website before I created the magazine that are just sitting in a Google drive folder. So yeah, there's just tons and tons of content. And yet it's, it's probably four times the amount that I wrote for my PhD dissertation, but I don't even realize how much work has gone into it because it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. And there's, I think there's so many authors out there that have turned their blogs into a book. It's so, so interesting how I think they just kind of wake up one day and it's like, wow, if I just put this together in one like coherent form, it'd be a book. Why don't I do that? And, and I, and I yeah. think it's such an interesting way to write because for me, I'm, I'm more of a book writer. And so I have this long outline and this long, ex, ex, long, complicated thought that I'm trying to write out in a, like 150 pages with the blog I've noticed in the last couple months is, you know, cause I have my own blog for the podcast and, and yeah. that blog it's, it's been so much fun just to write down 250 words, just kind of blurt it out there of like, this episode was amazing. Check this out. And this is my thoughts on it. And this is how it goes. And it's just, it's uh, it flows such a, it's a different energy and, and I love, I love the art of blogging because it's, it can be really powerful. I mean, if you can move somebody, you can move somebody yeah. to take action on their life or do something different in 250 words, like 
that's way better than a book in my mind. Yeah. Okay. I'm a little biased that I am a book hound. If we were on video, you would see shelves and shelves of books. <laughs> so <laughs> I love books, um, but I also love blogs. And I have come to appreciate that shorter can be just as powerful as longer. And that's especially true for my clientele in particular, who, especially as they're just getting to know me and they know that they're busy, but they're, they don't know how to cut back on it. So if I give them a blog and my blogs are really more like a thousand, 1200 words, um, they have time to read that. It takes about five to seven minutes to read a thousand word blog. So they have time to read that where they might not have time to sit down and read one of one of my favorite authors, Brene Brown, one of Brene's books. So that's very powerful for people who are in this hurry and worry lifestyle. And hopefully through these small bites, I can then encourage them to maybe purchase my mini course, the Breaking Busy mini course, it's you know only $47. And they are then saying, okay, I have 15 minutes a week that I can devote to watching a video and doing a little work on how to clean up my schedule. And then once they've cleaned up their schedule, maybe they can think about, okay, well, what things can I do now that make my heart full? What things can I do that are meaningful to me? What things can I do that I now have time for? Because I've cut all the other stuff out of my life. But if I hadn't reached them in that five to seven minute read of a blog, they would not be doing any of that at all. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it's so amazing. Just that short, like thousand words to move somebody to take action. I, I just, I, I totally agree with you. It's so, so powerful and, and I just love it. And, and so where, where else can people find you? Is it just the blog? Is it just the magazine or do you have a coaching website or where else can people find you? I do. Um, I have a coaching website called peaceful living coaching and that houses basically what the coaching is all about. The blogs are all on peaceful living wellness. And so I am actually only one of, I just signed um, our 22nd contributor uh, a wonderful young lady who is an interior designer, and she's talking about how to create peaceful spaces. So that is very exciting. So it, on the magazine site, Peaceful Living Wellness, people get to experience what I call holistic wellness. Um, and of course, we're all over social media. So Peaceful Living Wellness on Facebook, the Peaceful Living Community Group on Facebook, um, peaceful living wellness on Instagram, peaceful living coaching on Instagram. And our biggest platform because we're a blog is Pinterest. And of course it's peaceful living wellness on Pinterest too. Oh, wow. That's amazing. All the platforms. I love it. And, and so for folks listening that are maybe they're authors, maybe they're coaches, are you still looking for other contributors? Is that something or are you full? What's that look like? Um, I am looking for actually just one thing in particular right now. We're pretty full, but I am really in the market, so to speak, for somebody who writes on sustainability, 
We have a peaceful earth category. And right now, the only thing we have going under that category is peaceful travel. I had a couple of sustainability bloggers, homesteaders, um, and their, their life got so full that they weren't able to continue to contribute. So I would definitely like to bring in somebody to do that. Um, other than that, boy, we are, we are pretty full. Oh, that's amazing. I, I love it. And, and I'm so happy your platform is full. Cause it's, it's, uh, it's a beautiful platform as well. Just visually it's striking. Like it's, uh, oh, yeah, all the, yeah, all the articles on there, all the contributors, it's amazing. So I will let Kim so, know, Kim is the designer and I will let her know that you said that cause that will make her feel really good. Oh, oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to meet the whole team and, and get some articles out there as well. I'm really excited to be a part of it. Well, we are really excited to have you join our community. You have such a unique voice that you're actually going to help round us out so much. And I'm just, I'm thrilled that we were able to meet through some networking and I'm just thrilled to have you join us as part of the peaceful living wellness community. Oh, that's such a blessing. Thank you. And, and, and I guess what haven't we covered? What have I not asked you yet? What, where would you like to go a little bit deeper? Oh my, I feel like we've covered so many things. Um, you know, the one last thing that does have to do with community and my coaching is that I, over the past couple of years have actually cut back on my one-to-one -one coaching. And I have been in the process of creating a, two groups. I have a coaching group where we meet weekly and um, I take the group through a curriculum. I am at the moment taking a waiting list for that, but it's not something that has an open door and a closed door. It's something that people can join anytime. Uh, because the curriculum flows. So even if somebody is on uh, week 20 of the curriculum, somebody who joins on week one, they're still going to be a beautiful part of the group. The other thing that I've designed to create community is for those people I was talking about who are so, so busy, and that's a membership program. And what that does is it's a very low, a low investment. It's it's a low investment in time. It's a low investment in money, but I feel that people get a lot of value for it as well. And that is something where they sign up for the membership. They get a weekly email with a five to seven minute video and a one page PDF. And it takes them on this small bites journey from what it's called from burnout to bliss. And that is really for those people who are like, no, no, I can't, I can't devote an hour a week to coaching. I just can't do it. <laughs> and so they can devote 15 minutes a week. Oh, nice. Nice. I love that. And, and, and so earlier we talked community. Yes. I, I love this. I, I think community, it's so important. It's something I think our society is going to be focusing on in the next year or two so much more because of the pandemic. So you're probably way yeah. ahead of the curve in this, honestly. And, 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 I guess I want to, I want to ask you, there was earlier, we talked about the five steps to slowing down and, and I have written down, you know, we look at the values and we look at every hour of the day, like what's an alignment, what is, what's like, is there any other steps to that process if you're willing to share? Oh yeah, sure. So you start with your values 
and you prioritize your values and then you write down and there's a, a pdf graphic where it has a daily calendar you write down each hour of every day both on your work days and your non-work days and then you take a look at that schedule and you compare it to your values and you say huh what can go i call that step the cutting the crud <laughs> cut the crud out of your nice. schedule and then you go to the next PDF that is um, the daily schedule and you fill that in with rest breaks. You fill that in with things that are self-nurturing. You fill that in with things that can bring you meaning and purpose. And you're able to do that because you've cut the crud. And so that way people then, the final step is there's, three different options of um, doing a sort of final project that creates their new peaceful blissed out life. And um, that could be, I think what I have in there is writing a letter to yourself. I have um, a vision board and um, I have a vision plan in there, which is like a vision board, but on, on paper. So it's, it's simple. It's just five simple steps. And the videos give you more that go along with the mini course. They give you a little bit more insight on what to do on each of those steps. But I tell you what, just because I just had this conversation with Brittany from the yoga studio. And when she looked at her schedule and she went, oh my gosh, I am spending so much time on social media and doing laundry because her yoga studio has a spa with it too. And she said, I am going to hire somebody to do the laundry and to do some other things around the studio. And I am going to cut back on my social media time. I'm going to start scheduling my social media. I mean, it was that simple for her. And she took her days from being 10, 12 hour days down to being eight to six hour days. Oh, I love that. Yeah, the the social media scheduling was a game changer for me. It, it totally changed my entire life. I, I'm honest. I'll like, tell it you was what is huge. even better mm-hmm. is when you hire a VA to do that scheduling for you. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much for an amazing interview. Like we've we've covered so much from burnout to loneliness to thriving in a community. And and I just want to say thank you and I really appreciate your story and everything we've talked about today. It's just it's just been an amazing experience for me and listeners. So, uh just thank you. And do you have any any closing thoughts you'd like to leave the audience with? Well, first I want to say thank you for all of your compliments and just from the bottom of my heart, I am so glad that we have connected. And I just feel like together with our platforms, we are going to be able to make such a difference in people's lives. And the last thing I just want to offer to the listeners is that your life does not have to be stressed out. You do not have to be busy all the time. And just because you're busy doesn't mean you're productive. You deserve to live a life that you're loving. And so I want 
all of you to give yourselves the gift of living a life that is healthy and full of meaning and purpose and joy. Oh, I love that message. Thank you so much. And and for everybody listening, I, I really want you to just go check out the the Peaceful Living Wellness magazine online. Uh, just Google it. You'll find it. And, and as well in the show notes, all the links uh, that Jennifer's mentioned will uh, all be there. So I want you to just go check it out. And, and, you know, I think this whole podcast is really about finding balance and harmony in our life and that holistic health of that you know, anti-burnout schedule. And, and I know for so many people listening, the authors, the writers, it's huge not to get burnout on that first draft you're writing, isn't it? So thank you, Jennifer. And, and we'll catch you on the next one. There's an infinite amount of books floating out there in the ether. And all you have to do is tap into your highest self and write it. What if you could go out in the wilderness or international trek and experience firsthand shamanic healing, mental emotional release, and write your first draft? Writing a book isn't about the book. It's about the integration healing that that book facilitates, isn't it? Because when the book heals the author, the book heals the reader. And that's an amazing thing. If you've been procrastinating writing your book for years now, you can hear that book screaming for its life every night. Join me for a backcountry breakthrough. You'll experience guided trekking, daily energy sessions, mental emotional release, and writing sessions that guarantee a rough draft by the time you get back to the trailhead. Join me for a backcountry breakthrough. Go to mountainmindtricks slash backcountry dash breakthrough. So go to mountainmindtricks.com slash backcountry dash breakthroughs. Writing a book isn't about the actual book because there, there's gonna be those obstacles that try and derail you from the actual writing. The key is preserving through the pain of writing every day. The book begins to highlight your emotional deep core wounds in a way that makes you want to quit writing, right? But if you stay on the course, the old beliefs, the old identity of yourself, the negative ways of thinking begin to fall away. And suddenly, a new way of being starts to emerge. This is when the book begins to come alive and write itself. Because in this moment, you aren't writing the book. The book is writing itself as you have this internal transformation. This is the essence of healing through writing. Is your book screaming from the back of your mind? I know mine was. What would happen if your healing journey stopped here? You never got over that final hump. Your regret, remorse from not writing your book was the source of mind, body, future disease. I mean, what would you tell your clients if you couldn't work anymore? Go be healed somewhere else? I mean, what would happen if your business failed because you hold yourself back from your highest self? What would it be like if you regretted the book you never wrote and your last thoughts on your deathbed was, I wish I would have written that book. See, all these things are tragic, but it's possible for you to reach your big dream and be a number one best-selling author. When the book heals the author, the book heals the reader. This is a powerful concept because when books heal the reader, they sell and they go number one bestseller. So I'm starting this movement of healing through writing and using the breakthrough session to release the root cause of writer's block that procrastination, that loss of motivation when you started writing your book or you had the idea and you never started. There's one-on-one coaching calls, weekly homework and accountability. After a comprehensive health assessment, we build habits and systems and goals to keep you on track. There's MP3 guided meditations, one-on-one hypnosis. And then I really teach you how to get published, how to self-publish, or publish with my company, Mountain Mind Tricks Publishing. 
then you leverage your book on podcasts, talk shows, speaking engagements, and you manifest that prosperity and passive income you're really looking for in your business. So I want you to check out BreakthroughWritersBlock.com and join the Healing Through Writing movement. It'll be the best thing you've ever done in your life because writing a book will completely change everything. So go to BreakthroughWritersBlock.com. Again, that's BreakthroughWritersBlock.com. Are you a new author that's trying to wade through self-publishing of what category should I pick, find the right designer, get an editor, what about the formatting? What's the dimensions that the actual spine in the book have to be? Is it gloss or white paper? There's so many different things that goes on in publishing. And that's why I'm dedicated to helping indie authors that have gone through this healing journey through writing their own book publish that piece of art, publish that amazing work that could help heal others. And here's the thing, is when a book heals the author, the book heals the reader. And this is so huge. I know I say this all the time, but it's so important. And and I want to help the world make a huge impact by spreading more books that heal the reader. So if this sounds like you, I want you to go to mountainmindtricks.com slash publishing. Again, that's mountainmindtricks.com slash publishing. And if you're wading through should I publish on Amazon? What about Ingram Spark? How do I get my book into bookstores? What should I do to even launch a book? How do I get on podcasts? There's so many things that go into publishing. And again, that's why I'm here for you. I want to publish your book. So if this sounds like you, go to mountainmindtricks.com publishing. Again, mountainmindtricks.com publishing.